Every Sunday morning, I'm just amazed at God's grace. I mean, think about this for a moment. Uh, the work of God, even here this morning, bringing all of us together. Some of us maybe had a little struggle getting to church. We were a little tired, maybe, or something of that nature. Uh, some of us were busy. But yet, here we are this morning, singing praises to the Lord, recognizing what He's done in our lives, praising Him for saving us, praising Him for bringing us together, praising Him that we can worship together in one voice. It is just always a blessing to be here and to worship with you this morning. Amen. Well, this morning I thought we would consider Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, but before we begin, let me give you just a familiar story in Luke 17. Jesus was traveling to Galilee one time along the border of Samaria and Galilee, and going into a village, he encountered ten men. And these ten men had leprosy, one of the most dreaded diseases of the day. It would just eat away at your flesh. No one would associate with you. You were an outcast. And they stood at a distance, these ten lepers, and when they saw Jesus come in, uh, they cried out and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so Jesus responds in a very gracious way, and he says to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And so they turn around, and as they're heading to the priest, they begin to notice that God had miraculously healed them. And in Luke 17, 15, we read these words. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And then in that text comes a significant statement. The statement goes, and he was a Samaritan. You might think, well, okay, what's that mean? Well, implementation is that the other nine were Jews. They were the ones who had received the promises of God. The other nine had the Old Testament. The other nine understood what it meant to go to the synagogue and to the temple and to make sacrifices and to have a relationship with God in a covenant way. And so here is Jesus healing them, and yet they just continue to walk away. They didn't pay attention to what was going on. They were happy that they were healed, and they continued. And, you know, so often, uh, you know, we look at this man, and we say, oh, that man was so good. But actually, that particular passage of Scripture is about denying. Because when he returns, and he gives thanks to the Lord Jesus, Jesus says this, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? They had been blessed, and there was no thankfulness. We'd expect them to return since they had all these blessings from the Lord and all of this. And we would think, well, how can you possibly be so ungrateful? How could you just walk away? Here is Jesus healing you, the promised Messiah, the Son of God, the ruler of heaven and earth. He has healed you in a miraculous way. You've experienced this awesome miracle. I don't know how you could just walk away from it. And yet they did. But how quickly we are to judge the nine. Because I was thinking about this whole idea of Thanksgiving uh, this past week couple of weeks, you know, celebrating Thanksgiving. And I'm thinking, how quickly we are to judge the nine. I remember one time sitting at the dinner table. Uh, this is when we had two children, and we had two, two later on. But we're sitting at the dinner table, and as always, every night, Kathy and I and, and Josh and Kathleen, we'd be sitting at the table, and we would thank the Lord for the food. And I remember one time, as we're sitting there, uh, we said, okay, well, let's thank Jesus for the food. Let's thank the Lord. And we thanked him. And as soon as I got finished, Kathleen says, Dad, Josh had his eyes open during prayer. <laughs> and I said, how do you know? And there was silence. Well, this morning, I would like to share with you how much we were like Kathleen. 
in that we're ready to look around and to look at other things. But as I look at this passage, it brings conviction to my soul in terms of how do I thank the Lord? You see, I think there is a weakness in our praise. I think there is this thing that is lacking in the praise uh, 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 so often in our lives. I mean, we look at these texts. I mean, consider these two texts in terms of your praise life. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Have you thanked God for your every circumstance this week? what we're told to do. How about James 1.8? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of different kinds. You know, and then th there is this idea that we do not go far enough with our praise. Here is the, here is the nine who, who are blessed in, a, in a, such a unique way, and they walk away. They didn't consider the full work of the Lord. They completely missed the point of all of that. And I think that there is a weakness, because I think sometimes in our praise, we thank the Lord for things that meet our needs. We readily thank him for the immediate things. For example, we thank the Lord, and of course we should, but we thank the Lord for answered prayer. We say, Lord, thank you for answering this prayer. How we praise you for our answer to our prayer. But how often have you done that prayer? How often have you thanked the Lord when your prayer request was not answered the way you wanted it to be? Do you think about that? Or have you thanked the Lord for the privilege of prayer? Or, for example, the opportunity that you have with the Lord Jesus to have this intimacy of going to him. You know, we thank him for deliverance, but not for the grace to endure. If the Lord, if the Lord does a great work in our life, and we go through a particularly difficult trial, so often we thank him for getting us through the trial, but yet we fail and we ask for deliverance, but we fail to ask him to, for the grace to endure. You know, we thank him for our homes, we thank him for our jobs, we thank him for our spouses, we thank him for our safety, we thank him for our children, we thank him for all of these blessings, we thank him for all of these things, and they're always convenient for us, they're always meeting our immediate need, and we should thank the Lord for those things. They are good gifts. Let me read to you James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. But the point is that God has blessed us far more than we can imagine. But generally, we only thank him for the immediate. We only thank him for the circumstances that are comfortable for us. And we are like the nine too often to go away. Our praise is too often governed by the immediate. And by that I mean that we thank the Lord when it goes our way. We don't thank the Lord when it doesn't go our way. But we should, remember what I read to you earlier, in all circumstances. But we don't thank the Lord all the time. Uh, we only thank him in the immediate or our present circumstances. Our praise is governed by the immediate, and we're controlled by circumstances and how we do it. But let me give you a couple of examples of, of praise, but more in the positive side. In Acts 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas are arrested, and they're thrown into prison. Listen to this passage. They were beaten with rods and thrown into prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Here are the circumstances. They're beaten with rods. They're thrown into prison unjustly. They're thrown into prison for doing the work of the Lord. And yet, what do we find them doing here? They are praising God and they're singing praises to him and they're thanking him. We have trouble thanking the Lord when we're stuck in a traffic jam. Here are these guys in prison beaten with rods, doing the Lord's work, and they're singing praises to God. 
I know I shared this with you before, I think when I was here uh, last time, but there's also another example. When I was working in the, in the prison ministry and having that church and we had our share time, you know, what do you think? How, what are they going to praise the Lord for in prison? They can't go anywhere. They have nothing. They're waiting for their, their uh, sentences to come out and such like that. And we had this praise time and all of a sudden they began to see something. You see, there's circumstances of being in prison. There's circumstances of being convicted. There's circumstances of being away from the family living in terrible conditions, I mean, being confined to a prison cell and all the rest of it. And so what do you say, okay, let's have prayer request and praise time. And you're kind of like, okay, what are they going to praise the Lord for? Now, one or two of them may praise the Lord, I'm getting out soon, or pray that, the, you know, things are going a little better. No, what happened was, I heard praises like this. Thank you, Lord. I want to thank the Lord for the word of God. I want to thank the Lord for my brothers in Christ that are here and I can pray with them and be strengthened with them. I thank the Lord that I am redeemed, that he has saved me and he has forgiven me of my sins. I want to thank the Lord for all of his work in my life. What I'm trying to say is here's people who have nothing, they trust in Christ as their Savior, and all of a sudden they're beginning to praise him. How often and what blessings we miss when we simply thank the Lord for the immediate and we simply thank Him for our circumstances. And I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me about this because I think back this past week and the week before that and the years before that and how often my tribute to God and my praise to God is always dependent upon how I feel. What's the solution to all this? How can I avoid this kind of thing? Well, I think as those prisoners did, as the Apostle Paul and Silas did, as that one who returned to worship the Lord did, we begin to think about the work of God in our life, and everything else changes. Do you remember me saying, it is well with my soul? Do you notice what the theme of his praise was? My sin, not in part, but the whole, is forgiven. You didn't hear about his family that died. You didn't hear, he said he looked at the salvation that God has given him. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 14, but just probably mostly 3 this morning. But as we look at this passage, I think there are three things we ought to consider when it comes to giving thanks to the Lord. And the first one is this, to consider the nature of our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, Paul is in prison. He writes this letter, but I want you to notice the immediate attention is given to what God has done and God's work in his life. In fact, he involves the whole trinity. Look at the passage of scripture with me. Here is the, in chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. It is one sentence. The indication is he got carried away. He didn't want to stop. He started praising the Lord and he continued. And I want you to notice as well, as you look through this, through this sentence, it's 202 words long. It's all the way from verse 3 to verse 14, and it includes the entire Trinity. If you look at chapter, or if you look at verse 6, it says, praise to, praise to his glory. If you look at verse 12, praise to his glory. If you look at 14, praise to his glory. Verse, 12, uh, verse 6 is talking about God the Father. In verse 12, it's talking about God the Son. In verse 14, it's talking about God the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing passage of Scripture, and this is what Paul begins with. He doesn't whine about being in prison. He, he doesn't talk about how his hardships are. He doesn't thank the Lord how he delivered him or how the Lord brought him a meal there, which I'm sure he did. You know, but you understand that his first attention, his first focus, his first thing in his life is this praise to God. And it's an amazing text. It's like a snowball. I mean, you begin to read this passage of scripture, and for time's sake, we won't read through the whole thing, but as you begin to look at it, next time you read this verse, picture it as a little snowball when you start. And you have the snowball at the 
top of the hill and you roll it down and as you go on it gets bigger and bigger and more glorious and more glorious and that's the way things work I mean if you need to have a snowball think about it as shingles on a roof you start here you put another one up and another one and another one and another one that keeps going up higher and higher looking more and more to the Lord he not only includes God the Father he includes God the Son he includes God the Holy Spirit and all of this is just a welling up of praise it's a declaration of God's work and what he has done and he says this, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I want you to get that. Spiritual blessing. It's not necessarily the circumstance. It's not necessarily the immediate. It is the spiritual blessings. It is a declaration. He blessed us in spiritual blessings. He chose us before the foundation of the earth. Verse 5 says he adopted us. Verse 7 says we have redemption. Verse 7 says we have forgiveness of trespasses. Verse 9 he has made known the mystery of his will. Verse 13, he is sealed with the, we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. In verse 3, he says, praise be to God, or blessed be God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God blesses us, and we don't deserve it. And we recognize that when we thank him for the immediate, but how often do we spend time thinking about the spiritual end of things? That's the point we're trying to look at this morning. We don't deserve it. God blessed us because he loves us. And we bless him because he blesses us. And we've been given so much more than the word salvation. My concern is that we would treat our praise to the Lord like a text message as opposed to a letter. Uh, and and I, I know about text. I've been doing it for a year and a half now. You understand. <laughs> but what is a text message? It's something, okay, i get this done with quick like that. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, you know, get me to work on time. Thank you, Lord. And, and again, I'm not playing those things down. We ought to live in a continual state of thanksgiving. But when you begin to thank the Lord, don't make it a text message. Make it a letter. When you begin to write a letter, what happens? Well, you begin to say, how can I say this? How can I express it? How can I, I, I show the depth of feeling that is in it? That's the idea. Our praise is to be more like a letter than a text message. It is to be thoughtful. It is to be deep. Uh, and our text here reflects the thoughtful work of God and what he does in our lives. You see, there's something about the Apostle Paul and when God called him and such, there's some depth to what he thinks about the Lord. Look with me, if you will, at, at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Take, a, take your Bibles and look there if you have them. 1 Timothy chapter 1. In the book of Acts, we're going to 1 Timothy, but in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. In Acts 22, we hear about the Lord Jesus, uh, about Paul's conversion. He's talking to a crowd, and he says God saved him. In chapter 26, Paul gives his testimony again about how God had saved him. Now, years later, I want you to notice, and I'm talking about a lot of years later, the Apostle Paul is writing Timothy, and I no notice what he says beginning in verse 12 of chapter 1. Here he's talking to Timothy, sending him this letter, and he says in verse 12, and here's a thanks. Here's a praise he's giving. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason. 
reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are believed in him for eternal life. What's he doing here? He's doing the same thing he did in Acts 22. And in Acts 26, he writes to Timothy and says, God saved me. My whole life is wrapped up in him. Now, as he gives his testimony, he thinks back about how God saved him as a miserable sinner and a persecutor and all of that. Notice what he says in verse 17. He's talking about his testimony. And all of a sudden he says, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I look at that passage and I begin to think about my own salvation, the time when I, when I recognized my sin and I came before the Lord Jesus and I said, you know, forgive me, I'm a sinner, take my life, I give my life to you. And we pray to the Lord those kinds of things. And then all of a sudden we burst into praise. He couldn't control himself. Praise be to God, the immortal, invisible. Do you understand his whole thought? His tone, not about being in prison. Not about general... Per, temporal circumstances, but rather his thoughts are going to the Lord. His growing knowledge of God, his growing praise. God is to be praised for who he is, not just the temporal blessings. What is amazing is the fact that we know him at all. We know him because he has revealed himself to us. How often have you thanked the Lord for revealing himself to us because he does so continually? I mean, think about it. In his word, we reveal that God is holy. We recognize that he's fully separated from us. And yet he, con he condescends and comes to us in the person of Christ. That God is just and he deals with sin. God is love and he sends his son to die for our sins. And we, we need to praise him. And to praise him, you must know him. There needs to be some time taken to think about what God has done in our life. God has to be praised for revealing himself to, in ways that we understand. I mean, think about it for a moment. Psalm 19, 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1, 20, the, the, the creation reveals the power of the Godhead. In Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Think about also Romans 8.15 where we call out, we don't have the spirit of fear, but we can call out to God saying, Abba, Father. And so you have a shepherd, you have a father, you have all of creation. We have all of these things. God is constantly revealing himself to us and we ought to praise him for it. Our life is so wrapped up in the mundane, it's so wrapped up in the immediate, it's so wrapped up in my own personal circumstances. There are times when we just need to stop and we need to think, God has revealed himself to me. I look at creation and I don't want to just look at pretty trees and sunsets. I want to see him and I see him in all his glory. When I think about uh, shepherds and I, I want to think about God's care for me. You see, every day God reveals himself to us one way or another. And if you don't even know, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, God is revealing yourself to him to you right now. As you hear about his revelation in nature, as you hear about the compassion of him being our good shepherd, as you hear all of these things, to praise him. In all these things, God is to be praised for sending his son, the Lord Jesus. I mean, we're, you know, this is the month of December. We've got the church beautifully decorated. We've got all these wonderful things. Uh, and it is great because all of these things are not here just to look pretty. But they ought to draw our attention to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of our world, our personal Savior, the one that we have been placed in, the Lord Jesus Christ. God is to be praised for sending his son, the expressed image of him. We know God so much better through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus and his actions. He reveals himself. But not only 
should we consider the nature of our salvation. But as we look at this particular passage, there's something in it that we ought to also consider, and that is the means of our salvation. And by that, let me explain to you. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. This expression, in Christ, 160 times in Paul's writings, being in Christ. It's the idea of being not separated from him. That we're so closely united and, 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 and embraced by Christ that there's no separation. When I talked to you earlier about the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus at his conversion, when Jesus confronts the Apostle Paul, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting all these people? Which he was doing, but what does he say? Why are you persecuting me? That's what it means to be in Christ, to be so closely associated, no separation. I mean, think about the intimacy that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ once we put our faith in him. The illustrations of scripture. How about John chapter 15 where Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. That's how we're connected. Our life is sustained through him because we are in Christ. We're fellow heirs. We've been placed in Christ. We are God's children. And because we are in Christ, we are the recipients of overwhelming blessings. Let me give you a few. I'm just going to read this list. Romans 16.16, 16, alive to God in Christ. Romans 6.23, we have eternal life in Christ. Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.22, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.6, we are sealed in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. You know, we, we understand, understand that we are in Christ. There is no spiritual separation. There's no separation between ourselves and the Lord Jesus Christ. God looks at us and he sees his son and has a reason for praise. Not how, note how closely we are identified with him. Think about this for a moment. In John 8, 12, and also in, in John 9, 5, Jesus makes this declaration. He says, I am the light of the world two times to make it a point. As he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount in the very opening passage where he talks about the Beatitudes, Jesus at the end of talking about how we're to live through the Beatitudes in this world, he says this, you are the light of the world. You see the identification here. We are so closely knit. There's no separation. We are in Christ Jesus and we are glorified, and we are justified, and we're sanctified in Christ Jesus. When we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are in Christ. And that governs all kinds of things. I don't want to bring the Lord Jesus to a place where I don't want to go. You know, stop and think for a moment. You know, if I am in Christ, where I sit around and spend my, my spare time, or if I'm in Christ, how I pray, all of these things are because I am in Christ. I love that particular hymn. We sing it uh, very frequently, In Christ Alone. In Christ alone my hope is found. Here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God, helpless babe, and th with that particular verse, he says, In the death of Christ I live. And then of course at the end, he ever talks about his resurrection, says, Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. It is this reference. We have to consider the fact that we are in Christ Jesus. That brings comfort. But do we oftentimes, do we thank the Lord for that? I mean, thank you, Lord, that you have placed me in your Son and I have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, 
that you have placed me in your Son, and I have full access to the throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, that I am in Christ Jesus, and that power of sin in my life has been defeated. Do you see what I'm doing here? I am continuing thinking about this passage. I'm not thinking about the immediate. I'm not thinking about my present circumstances. But I'm taking the time to say I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. What does it mean? You see, the whole point I'm trying to make is we need to stop and we need to think about these things. Don't walk away like the nine, but here's this one guy who did not experience all the blessings of the Old Testament and all the rest of it, and he's the one that comes back because he thinks about it. There's something there. And so we ought to consider the nature of our salvation, that God has saved us. We ought to consider the means of our salvation, that we have been placed in Christ. And now a third, and that is to consider the nature of spiritual blessings. How often have we said that? We don't think that way. Yet Scripture does. You find a pattern. When you find thanks in Scripture and praise in Scripture, it's all about the spiritual. And when he says this, he says, Blessed be God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Uh, There's a little bit of a conversation about this. What does he mean by spiritual blessings? Well, there are some commentators that would say by spiritual blessings, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. The blessings that the Holy Spirit brings. And the reason they say that is because you have God the Father mentioned, you have Christ the Son mentioned, and now you have spiritual blessings of the Lord Jesus. That's the first view. The second view uh, that they have is just a reference to spiritual gifts that are given to us. You know, that, okay, here are the blessings that God gives us as believers. I, I think it's both. It's, I know it sounds like a way out, but it's not. But here you have spiritual blessings. Blessings given to us through the Holy Spirit. Blessings that are given to us by God. Spiritual blessings. You know, we consider many things in our Christian life. We consider things and we thank Him, as I mentioned to you earlier. We thank Him for our homes and our employment and our health and our safety and our family and our church, and rightly so. However, as wonderful as all of those things are that I just mentioned... They're only temporary. And that's the difference between spiritual blessings. They are not temporary. His praise to God for spiritual blessing, blessings that are spiritual in nature, immediate. I mean, consider the context and what he's praising the Lord for. What are some of the spiritual blessings in this one passage? Look, we're chosen before the foundation of the earth. He's predestined us to be conformed to his son. He has adopted us. Praise to his glorious grace. He's given us redemption, forgiveness of sin. You see, he is, here's the apostle Paul, and it's not like he was just saved. This is years later, and he's stopping, and he's thinking, God has redeemed me. God has adopted me. God has chosen me. God has done all of these things. And as I look at that passage of Scripture, I think to myself, how often have I thanked the Lord for these things? How often do I stop and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I don't have the power of sin. You know, when I'm tempted to sin, all I have to say is thank you, Lord. I'm in Christ. The power of sin has been defeated in my life. Strengthen me through my own weakness. Strengthen me beyond my weakness, I should put. As wonderful as temporal blessings are, and they're given to us by God, they are still temporal. And I think the danger in our lives is the fact that that's where our focus is. I mean, just think for a moment in a very practical way, the last time you went to a praise service. You know, you say, okay, we're going to have a praise service. Maybe Thanksgiving you had one, or you went to one. What are the praises? What are they? Well, sad, it's a weakness on our part, but so often they're just for the circumstances or the immediate. 
You don't rarely hear someone get up and thank the Lord that they were in Christ. Or thank the Lord that he has chosen me before the foundations of the earth. Or thank the Lord that he has given me wisdom and insight into his word. And yet we have all of these things that are given to us. The challenge is to break away from this pattern of temple mindset and continue to praise uh, the Lord, not only for the temple, but for the good gifts. We need to focus on the spiritual in our praise to the Lord and our spiritual blessings. Let me again give you this context. For example, he says we are chosen. Okay, so stop and think for a moment. All right, one of the spiritual blessings I have is I'm chosen. Well, what's the implication of that? Hey, God is attentive to me. He's paid attention to me. He's worked out the circumstances of my life so that I might stand before him and know him and hear his word. He's chosen me. Think about this. He says here that we are adopted by the Lord. Let's stop and think about that for a moment. When we talk about adoption, here I am, stranded, without parents, without direction, without any of these things, and God has adopted me and brought me into his family, and I'm a child of his, and I'm never alone. My father is always there, and my brothers and sisters in Christ are always there. You see, when we begin to talk about spiritual blessings, we begin to think about the things God gives us, we have to go one step beyond and think, well, what does that mean to me? I'm adopted. I'm never alone. How about this one? Redemption. How practical that is. We think about redemption. When we look at this passage of Scripture, I've been redeemed. That means I've been purchased. What does that tell me? It tells me I am secure, that I belong to him, that God's going to care for me. And when I'm down and I'm out and I'm depressed and I'm discouraged, there's one hope. I have been redeemed. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has bought me with his blood. I am in God's presence. I am in, uh, giving God's power. I'm giving all of these blessings from God. I am not alone. That's the idea, you see. You stop and you think about what God has done in your life and you just don't stop and say, thank you, Lord, for my salvation. But you go on and you begin to think about it. I don't want to be like the nine. God has blessed me in tremendous, wonderful ways, but I don't want to walk away. I want to stop and I want to savor it. I want to think about it. I want to dwell in Christ and I want to think about the blessings he's given me. How about forgiveness of sin? No matter what happens, no matter what happens in my life, no matter how often I fail the Lord, it tells me here I've been forgiven. <laughs> what, what can you say to that? Every evil deed you have ever committed in your entire life and every evil deed I've committed in my entire life and the unkindness that I've shown and the ungraciousness that I've shown and the anger I've shown and, and, and all of those things, the wrong thoughts, all of those things, they are forgiven. I can always go to God. That's the blessing, you see. We don't think this way. We think, oh, I've been forgiven. Oh, so nice to be forgiven. No, I've been forgiven. And I can go to the Lord Jesus Christ anytime I want. I can just go there and enjoy his fellowship. Let me give you some examples. In John 14, verse 27, as Jesus, in, in that great passage of Scripture where he's getting ready to leave his disciples and be, and be crucified, in the upper room discourse between John 13 and 16, he says this in 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Now, listen to what he says next. Not as the world gives. That's not the peace we get from the Lord. Uh, we can thank the Lord for world peace and, and, and you know, uh, treaties with other governments and such, but you understand that the peace we have with God is not what the world gives. How about Philippians 4.13? Okay, here's the Apostle Paul. 
And, and so often I've heard this just confined to circumstances. You know, we, we, you know Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him, referring to Christ who strengthens me. And I've seen it on the back of sports shirts, and I've seen it as themes, and I've seen it as people saying things who are going through difficult circumstances. But do not forget the spiritual nature of it all. In that particular context, Paul is saying, I've learned how to be rich. I've learned how to be poor. I've learned to do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, he's got this contentment about him. The world can't give you that. No matter how good your Christmas day or your Thanksgiving day or your other times go, you will never have the contentment that God can give. There's a difference to it. It is a, it is a blessing that we have. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The contentment that comes. John 15, 11, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Full joy. 12, 19, 2 Corinthians 12, 19, 12, 9, excuse me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That is a spiritual blessing. Paul prayed, take the, take the thorn, take the thorn out of my flesh once. Take the thorn out of my flesh twice. Take the thorn out of my flesh three times. And does God take the thorn out of his flesh? Does he remove the circumstances? No. He says, my grace is sufficient. You understand what he's saying? He's going from throw that circumstance away and recognize that I am at work in your life in a wonderful way. That's what's going on here. And then 2 Peter 1, 3, 3, 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called you into his own glory and excellence, to which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Do you see the difference between temporal and spiritual here? Peace, grace, strength, joy, divine promises, all of these blessings that they're being thanked for and praising God for in this text are not only ours now, but for the future as well. They're going to continue forever. His blessings, they go beyond earthly blessings, yet his grace and his strength, his peace and his strength and his joy help us now. And so as we consider these things, Consider the nature, or consider the nature uh, of our salvation as we consider being placed in Christ, the means of our salvation, and the nature of spiritual blessings. I'm quite convicted because I do not want to be like the nine. I remember one time when I was growing up as a kid hearing this expression, do not be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. I don't think that's our problem. I honestly do not think that being too heavenly minded is the problem that exists today. Not within my life and within the life of the church at all times. But rather, we should be heavenly minded so we are of earthly good. We should be heavenly minded when we think about our praise to God. And so I would challenge you, next time you gather together and, and, or as a group or as, even at home when you're by yourself, begin to think about the spiritual end of things. Certainly go to the Lord with our trials. Go to the Lord with our praise for the circumstances and the immediate. But don't forget to thank Him when prayers aren't answered your way. Don't forget to praise Him by the fact that even though you are struggling struggling with the worst struggle you've ever had with sin, that God is there and he's bringing you along and you have his power in you because you are in Christ. Look at the spiritual. Do not be like the nine. And shall we praise the Lord together? And we too can declare like the Apostle Paul, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing. Praise him. Father, we are so thankful. Lord, how we recognize our own weakness in all of this. And we ask, Lord, we know that you have forgiven us and we are so thankful for our neglect of thanking you and praising you for the spiritual. I ask this week, Lord, as we read your word, as we read words like redemption and adoption, that we might think of you and the great work and praise you for it. Keep us from being like the nine. And may we return and fall at your feet and worship you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.